Living Corporate is brought to you by Canaries. Let me tell you about Canaries. Canaries is a tech company formed in 2018 by black founders who experienced inequities in the corporate world like most of us in the workplace. They saw typical diversity initiatives, but knew that to create systemic change, diversity, equity, and inclusion needed to be done differently. They're still ahead of the curve, focusing on the E and the I using a data-driven approach. Think Canary in the Coal Mine. The name is a nod to the canaries coal miners used to bring into mines to determine if the work environment was safe or undesirable. That's what they do for companies. They help you find the folks you need to listen to. The canaries who will help you diagnose, measure, and attack your DEI challenges. Canaries has your back. Check them out at www.canaries.com backslash employer. That's www.canaries.com. K-A-N-A-R-Y-S dot com backslash employer. Living Corporate is brought to you by Black Men in Tech. Black Men in Tech's mission is to elevate the voice of black men in the technology space by offering year-round engagement opportunities and philanthropic contributions for people in the black community, the neighborhood. In the tech industry, black men regularly struggle to access networking and career advancement opportunities. At Black Men in Tech 2021, they are partnering with their allies to create a safer space where black men can share their experiences authentically. Through this effort, Black Men in Tech hopes to share knowledge that can be used by black attendees to overcome race-based obstacles while also offering non-black allies the chance to learn how they can be more supportive of their melanated colleagues. To learn more about the Black Men in Tech conference that will be happening on June 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, check them out at Black Men in Tech. Dot com. That's B-L-K-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-C-H dot com. Black Men in Tech. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and I'm excited about today's podcast because we're talking about venture capital. And like the VC space, VC is very unique. And that's what I continue to learn, like as a landscape, it's just not doing the same things that like the typical corporate America, corporate American space is doing the nine to five space is doing in terms of even the pressure around DEI. They don't feel it the same ways. And yet it's an area where black and brown people continue to get the shortest end of the stick continue to face the most oppression, continue to um, just be shafted, right? It's curious. We haven't had very many VC-centric conversations um, in the history of Living Corporate. So that's why I'm really excited to have Marco Rogers on. Marco, he's a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, And so what I want to do, I don't even want to like mess them up by trying to like you know, say too much. Um, I will just, I will say this though. I will say that he is a coach. Uh, he is an investor. Uh, he is a, he's a subject matter expert and he's a, he's a cool dude. I'm thankful to hear. Um, I'm thankful that we were able to have him on the podcast and talk about his journey and really talk about just his experience. Cause it sounds, and you'll hear me react. It sounds like something out of a movie. I don't know. Like the way he's talking about just the money that's out there. Uh, the capital that can be gained in this space. And yet 
so many of us, uh, black and brown people, specifically black people, specifically black women, um, are just not included, right? We're not involved. We don't have the same level of access as these white folks do. And so we talk about the future of the space. He's hopeful. I'm not going to spoil it too much more, um, which gave me hope right now. Um, I want y'all to make sure that y'all click the links in the show notes to learn more about uh, Marco and also like um, just explore living corporate, right? We have a lot of stuff going on every single day. There's something coming out from the network that we're creating, that we're doing. want to make sure that y'all actually plug in uh, before we plug in to Marco, though, we're going to tap in with Tristan. See you in a second. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss why you should let go of what doesn't serve you in your job search and career. Have you ever met a person who couldn't stop talking about this really great thing they did, only for you to find out it happened 10 plus years ago and it's not relevant to the discussion you're having, but they're just really attached to it? Well, I definitely have, numerous times while doing this work. It's natural to build attachments to people, places, things, beliefs, ideas, achievements, and even jobs. Typically, those attachments are linked to ideas we hold about who we are and what we are and aren't capable of. But when it's time to move to the next level in life, our drive to hold on to those things that may no longer be useful can blind us and work against us. Take that older job on your resume, for example. You know, the one you refuse to let go of even though it doesn't fit your current career puzzle. I know you enjoyed the experience and you're proud of the work you did there, but it's not showcasing any different skills, highlighting relevant results, or selling you as the best candidate. It's just taking up space, and it's probably one of the reasons you haven't landed that ideal job yet. You might want to consider only focusing on the relevant skills and achievements, moving it to an additional experience section where you just list the title, company, and dates, or simply removing it altogether. The same thing goes for random certifications, volunteer experience, and outdated awards. While it may helped you in the past, ask yourself, how is it helping me move forward? While developing attachments is a part of life, you have to ask yourself, is this thing I'm attached to still serving me? If the answer is no, then you have to be willing to let it go so it doesn't stunt your progress and get in the way of everything you're trying to achieve. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. At Living Corporate, we often talk about how we as black folks show up at work and how these corporate power structures impact how we show up. But we know when work ends, we come home, log off, and have to show up at home for our families and communities. And as a black man, I often turn to Let's Talk, bruh, for the real, honest, and healing conversations on black masculinity, mental health, and patriarchy. Let's Talk, bruh, or LTB, is a platform that creates content around black masculinity and the impact of patriarchy in black communities. In other words, Let's Talk, bruh, is having real conversations that black men need to hear and be a part of. Let's Talk, bruh, creates interactive, healing, and learning experiences with black men and male socialized folks of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Through their content and community-based programs, 
Let's Talk Bruh seeks to reduce patriarchal violence in our community and provide support to those most impacted by patriarchal violence, specifically black women, girls, femmes, queer, trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. Tap in at letstalkbruh.com. To be clear, that's letstalkbruh.com. So brothers, what are you waiting for? Let's talk, bruh. Marco, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good, Zach. How are you? Man, I'm good, man. I told you, you know, just transitions, new beginnings, we making stuff happen, man. Um, listen, I I am intrigued and I've been like really excited about talking to you uh, on Living Corporate because you know we connected initially back on um clubhouse on the chatty on the chatty chatty yeah that's right that's right yeah i was uh i was checking out clubhouse and i was dropping in and out of different kind of events and i remember you uh showing up to a couple of them yeah man you know we were talking about you know diverse equity inclusion we were also talking about just like the vc space so like i'm gonna ask you a couple of really front-end loaded questions right and and you take them where you want to go but i i really want to hear i want to hear your perspective on the record with this stuff right so Let's talk about let's talk about venture capital. You know, the last time that we really talked about like the VC space and black and brown folks, um, I'm going to tell you, it was this was some years ago. Uh, we had Shelly Bell. We had Shelly Bell on 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 the uh, on the podcast. So for those who don't know, Shelly Bell is the founder of Black Girl Ventures. And so we had Shelly Bell on because we were talking about just like the landscape of VC. Now, again, this was like back in, I want to say like 2018, Marco. Um, and so, and so, you know, we were talking about just how like dreadfully, shamefully, sinfully, even under supported, underfunded black, uh, venture, uh, black ventures are particularly black women, right? We look at just from like, if you would like to look at it from, from, a, from a matter of percentage, um, and just wh- where the pieces are, it's like, it's like literally crumbs, if that crumbs of crumbs, um, I'm really curious though, right? Like as we look at like the last 18, let's say like the last 18 months, so a little bit before George Floyd, but then really as like DNI apparently had this whole, you know, this whole renaissance or awakening. Talk, talk to me about like the VC space today. Like, was there a similar kind of like push around diversity and inclusion in the VC space as there was in like in the corporate arena or like what, what has it been looking like out there? I think it's not at all. It, it doesn't even look as um, progressive as it looked in the corporate space, right? So I'll, I'll just start right there. Like, you know, VCs, they don't even really follow the trends that are happening in these larger companies, right? They have they really have their own culture and their own ecosystem. I've been out here in the Bay Area for about 10 years and have just you spent a lot of time in this ecosystem and learning a lot about how... Uh, venture capital moves both both from like a an economic perspective but also that social and cultural perspective like the, like vc is a culture right and you know they they talk to they all talk to each other they all follow trends uh but it's very different from what you might find in you know other kinds of industries right so i would i would start there by saying like you know you're you're definitely kind of asking the right question about like how's it how's it different um, and I, I, from my perspective, I think from the beginning, even when we had started to push um, DEI initiatives and have um, these companies really kind of take notice, the the VC, uh, you know, kind of community in my mind 
like immediately started to be resistant to it, right? They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to kind of acknowledge the importance of a lot of what we were saying. And they wanted to stay very focused on like, how do we make money, right? That That's that's what they're here for. And they, they don't, you know, they don't mince words about that, right? And so the whole conversation around, you know, the importance of uh, diversity and equity and inclusion, they just weren't really trying to hear it at all, right? And I would go back to, you know, what you mentioned about how they don't fund, um, you know, people from kind of traditionally marginalized groups and particularly like black women. You know, I have a, a pretty personal connection to this because my my wife, Ania Williams, is an entrepreneur. Right. So I, I watched her go through this firsthand. She started her own company. It was it was hot. Like she uh, her company was called Tinsel and she made um really amazing like electronic jewelry right so like um their their kind of signature piece was uh, a set of headphones right like headphones that you can use plug into your phone carry with you everywhere but it was a necklace a very stylish necklace that you know a fashionable uh woman would want to wear and that was her whole deal it's like i you know i'm tired of wearing like cheap plastic stuff that apple's trying to sell me right like i want i like put a lot of work into my look and I want it to be nice. Anyway, like she, she went through that whole journey. Right. And, and, you know, went and, and pitched a hundred VCs trying to get them to understand uh, the opportunity there. And like, you know, couldn't make it work. Right. Couldn't make it work. She raised a significant amount for, you know, uh, the venture that she was trying to do, but like it, it ran out. And when you go and you try to get your, you know, series a, whatever, it didn't work out. And so she came out of that experience and, you know, she and I felt the same way. It was just like, look, if, if she can't do it, like this is, this is, you know, you can't get better than, than where my wife comes from and, and her credentials and, and what she does and what she knows. If they're not giving money to her, they aren't giving money to nobody who looks like her. You know what I mean? And so she had that experience very directly and came out of it uh, with a lot of information about why, uh, that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Why, why the numbers are what they are uh, in terms of uh, funding. Right. Yeah, no doubt. So it's interesting, Marco, like when I, so one, it's depressing. Okay. Like, and I appreciate you giving context in terms of like kind of comparing it because I think it's easy to think that like, oh, everyone's into this like performative thing where like everyone's donating money and there's, there's bread to be made by everybody. And I don't, you know, I was curious about that for the VC space because I don't know if I've seen that talk to me about when you say like okay companies interested in making money like what would you i mean aren't there several like points of research articles that have been dropped about like the missed investments that are in black and brown vc like black and brown um uh, black and brown startups and entrepreneurs that just like just going to the wayside yeah there i mean a lot of that data has been circulating and i and i think it's really good right so but this is where i think we get into talking about um, culture, right? Like, cause you know, you can, you can, you can make a case that if you talk to your average VC, they should really want to pay attention to this because there's real opportunity to make more money. Right. And you can, you start from a place of assuming that they're kind of primarily driven by, um, you know, just kind of capitalistic concerns, like very, uh, kind of practical, like, oh, I can make more money over here. I'm going to go over here. But in, in practice, it doesn't really work that way, to be honest, right? 
it's not just them trying to make money, but them trying to maximize the level of like predictability, right? One of the big things in, um, if you look at, you know, and I'm not just making this up, like uh, VCs write about this, right? There's a lot of kind of, you know, the really, the more prominent VCs uh, that will write and, and try to kind of put their, their thoughts out there about how they think their, uh, their business works. You know, folks like Paul Graham, right? I can't, I can't stand Paul Graham, but he, he's, he's, he's known as a prolific writer and he has written a lot about what, how he think, how he thinks that business works. And, you know, one of the things that gets popularized in that circle is talking about, uh, pattern matching, right? What they do is, is it's not just about like, you know, we're making money like wherever we can find it. But once we find a pattern that we think works, we're just going to do that until it stops working. Right. We are going to repeat that pattern because we know that it, it has it has shown to be like lucrative. And that's why you get, you know, the same kind of company getting funded over and over again. Like today, it's like it's AI. Right. Or, or, or you know, VR, virtual reality. If you if you if you rub some AI on your startup, you'll get a VC to talk to you because they have seen that be a, a business that is growing. Right. Um, a while back, it was social, you know, when, uh, you know, Facebook kind of hit really big, then it was like, oh, anything that's social, if you're, if you're rubbing social on your, your startup, you can get a meeting with a VC. That's how they operate a lot of times is patterns because they want to be the next Facebook. They want to be the next Uber and they're just going to keep doing that until it stops working. And to, to come back around to what we're talking about, I think the big challenge, even when you put this data in front of them is they when they look at businesses that are um you know being pushed by uh people of color uh and women and you know other people from other people who are not kind of that traditional uh kind of pattern that they're used to matching it you know what what the what you're up against is like them telling themselves they don't know anything about that business they don't know anything about that community they don't know how it works so it's not predictable to them Right. They don't know what to expect. They don't know how it's going to go. And that translates to risk in their minds. And so so then I guess I guess my challenge, my challenge is like, where do we go today forward? Right. Like, you know, like there continues to be. So here's here's where I'm at with this whole thing, Marco, is we know that black women continue to have like the highest rate of entrepreneurship. What's frustrating in those articles um, that cite that is that they rarely connect the dots between the rationale or reason and the, the the context for why black women are the highest entrepreneurs. And frankly, black and brown people in general are like entrepreneurship is growing. And the reason I believe for that, and I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm tripping, if you think I'm tripping, is because corporate America continues to be a place that isn't really welcoming and creates a sense of belonging for them. So we end up having to figure out other ways to make it work, not only for our own well-being, but like for our own, like our whole holistic well-being, including our financial well-being. And so, and so if that's the pattern though, if that's the reason why we're leaving out of corporate America and exiting, trying to create our own thing, but then we go into the space that seem is seemingly worse. I mean, what are we doing? Like, what's the solution? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that's a key question, but I, I guess I would, I would maybe reframe it a little bit, right? Because I don't, you know, the people that I talk to, including my wife, they're not finding it 
they're not finding the environment worse, right? Like when they talk about the corporate environment and they talk about the challenges there, they're not missing it. They they like being entrepreneurs and they like being out on their own. They're just they're, it's literally just that they can't get the capital so that they can continue to grow, like they can continue to make their own, you know, entrepreneurial um, endeavors kind of start to work out. They they like what they're doing. That's why they keep doing it, you know. And so it's not so much the it's only when they go into these spaces with the people who have money. Right. <laughs> and try to get and try to get that money in the same way that, you know, these white men do that they find the frustrations. You know, but my, my wife loves her, her, you know, her entrepreneurial lifestyle. She loves having the um, the flexibility and, you know, the ability to kind of set her own direction. And, you know, like all of those things, I think, are very compatible with. Uh, the communities that we're talking about, like they they like what they're doing. That's why they're doing it. And it's really just like they're not being given the resources as as the other people who do this. I think about, I guess, and I hear you. I guess I'm thinking about like the folks, and 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 you and you help me here, right? Because I'm again, like I am not from the VC space, and like I, I'm intrigued by the work. I'm intrigued by the arena. And as I think about just like the way the technology is going, I believe um, access is becoming a little more flat. I don't think it's uh, certainly not as flat as it needs to be. Um, but like, I'm thinking about the folks who are like, you know, cause there's different levels. So there's folks who are like, who are like, okay, look, I didn't get all the funding I want, but I can still hit X and pay my bills. I can still I can still do what I want to do. But there are certain folks who are like, no, like, yo, if I don't get funding, I'm not going to be successful. Like, I'm not going to be able to move forward at all. Like, and this is the means by which I, I, and so my question is like, man, for them, like, what's the, you know, like wh what are the alternatives? You know, if, if the, if we already know what the landscape is and it, and how exclusive it is and how, uh, how black and brown folks are not getting the funding they need, what are the other options for them to like mobilize and at least like give themselves, you know, six to 12 months? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there is a, a long answer there. And, and the answer is long because like you said, you kind of have to, you're talking about other options where you kind of have to dig into those other options, right? You kind of have to paint a picture of those other options and you have to uh, help people understand how to move towards them because they're just not easy and not as accessible. One of the big challenges when we talk about when we talk about venture capital, right? And you 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 started to ask me what kind of things have changed, and this is something that I don't I don't see enough people talking about. I know I have um, some friends who kind of work in this area, and they're really trying to um, bring uh, light to it because I think it's very significant. Venture capital is a particular kind of entrepreneurship and business building, right? And until very recently, it was uh, considered to be niche, right? Like that was just one way to get capital for business. And it was considered like a very risky venture, right? That's, that's literally the term like venture uh, is about like, this is a risky investment potentially, right? But there's potentially big upside. And I think, you know, when you look at Silicon Valley, when you look at software and tech, I think it um, it fits that model really well. 
because you can get started, but usually you can get started with modest resources and then you put a lot of money into it and you, you try to get it to grow. Right. And you can reach everybody because it's the internet. Right. So it's like global. There's a reason why venture capital kind of migrated. Uh, like, you know, it, it, it seems to be a, a great fit for tech, but that's just only one way to start business. And the vast, the vast majority of businesses don't work like that. It's like, you know, a small business, you go down to your bank, you get a small business loan. That's what, that's how you prop yourself up. Right now, the, what I was coming coming around to is the challenge. What we see, if you really kind of start to talk to people who have the data, all those other sources of capital had just really started to dry up and be harder to get at. Right. Like banks don't give as many small business loans. And so people who want to uh, start their business, people who want more predictable terms around this, people who don't understand that, you know, this venture capital avenue. And if they, even if they try to come, you know, come after it, that, you know, they're not the right color, so they're not going to get it. Right. Like, I think that because tech has grown so large and, and by extension, venture capital has grown so large, it sucked a lot of the air out of the room and a lot of other ways that people used to try to get capital to, to, to start their businesses have just, they're just not there anymore. And that's a, that's a, that's a huge problem. It's a much, much bigger problem than like the problems in venture capital. And I didn't really realize this. I think last thing I'll say, I didn't really realize this until I started to talk to really talk to people. And I realized that people kind of coming up, I guess, are people who are kind of um, really just kind of entering uh, that phase of, of their lives where they might want to do entrepreneurship. The first and only thing that they've heard of is raising venture capital. Facts. Yes. Right? Like that is the message that they get is like starting a business is go find these rich people and try to get them to write you a big check. That is the way that you start a business. And I just think that there's just so many things wrong with that, you know? So let me get a little meta and talk about living corporate because that resonates with me. Right. So like living corporate starts off and we're a single podcast. Like we don't have like all these other pods. We don't have web series. We don't have all this other stuff. We're not like a really a media network, just a podcast. But then like, as soon as I started talking to people about my vision for living corporate, people were like, okay, so like, where are you in your, in your, and, and again, I'm ignorant. So I literally don't even know like what this is. Right. Marco, like, I don't know, like, Oh, what series of funding are you in? Like, where are you at with your fund? I'm, and I'm over here. Like, what, what are you talking about? Have you done the family and friends? I was like, what are you talking about? No, I don't No, No, I'm people. And, and so like, when they look at everything and I say, look, I've invested X and I'll tell you what X is when we hang up, we get off live, but I've invested X over the past three years. People are like, what people are like, you've invested what? And I was like, yeah, I've just been bootstrapping. Now there's the thing, Marco, like I'm in corporate America, X, you know, big four, I'm in, in the consulting industry. So I have a little bit of money so I can just, I can fund it. Right. But like the truth of the matter is like, if I really wanted to step out and like do this and I wanted to like do it, let's say I wanted to like jump out and just do it. Like, like I'm looking at this and people, and I, I remember I would talk to folks who don't look like me and they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, you could just get your friends and your family to give you like, you know, you just need like, you know, you could, you could probably raise like 50, 60 K. Like I did it. And I'm like, man, my, my family, and they're dead can, serious about it. They're dead they, serious. They're dead ass about it. And I'm over here looking at them like, bro, let me tell you something. If I opened up an email and I said, hey, look, and I email, it could literally be a hundred family members. And I said, yo, I need to raise a hundred thousand dollars. 
dog, I can't even imagine what would, I, I really can't, I don't, I can't even wrap my mind around that. Right. And so like, would they, would they laugh or would they think there's something wrong with you? Like seriously wrong with you? It would be one of those. <sighs> so here's the thing. I'm, I know here's the thing. So no, straight up. So let's talk about it. So in my family, um, I'm seen as the one that has a really good head on the shoulders. Right. I, 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 you know, I keep my head, I keep my nose clean. I do what I'm supposed to do. So typically people kind of, I have my, my family cheers me on. Mm-hmm. If I was to send them that email, I probably get a lot of phone calls and people being like, so what is this? They wouldn't laugh. They probably would wonder if there's something going on. If I fallen on hard times, like, yeah. why would I be asked even like the culture of even asking your family for money like that? Like, that's not a thing. And I, that's not a thing that I'm going to say. It's not a thing that black folks do like that for right. me, what I've right. experienced. And so, you know, Anyway, going back to it, when we talk about when we talk about these journeys, like I can't tell you the amount of people. No one ever talks to me about how to secure a, a business loan. People are always like, "Okay, so what's your VC?" I'm like, "I'd have, I don't know, man. I I don't know." And and if and the thing about it is, is like because of the decisions I've made, I'm not in a position where like you know I'm depending on this day and like this is something I this is a this is a full time hustle for me right now. Mm-hmm. But it's but I can't imagine, man, like if like let's just say everything like something crazy happened and I just had to depend on this, you know, you know, I don't know. Like that V like I I wouldn't even know how to do that. But the truth of the matter is, Marco, what's depressing even for me as an entrepreneur, as someone where living corporate is paying for itself, which is super exciting to me. The fact that living corporate is paying its own bills to me is a like that's a win for me yeah. from where we started. But here's the thing. Like I have a vision, I have a dream for Living Corporate to be like Viacom, but for diversity, equity, inclusion media. And, you know, the truth is I have to figure out some way to get a lot of capital. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I talk to people and I, again, I won't say names on the record. We'll talk later. But the point is I talk to people and it's like the, 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 the work, the work to even like get in front of the people is like, bruh. There is no way I can do this and have a full time job. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'll, you know, uh, you're you're absolutely right. I, I would give you, um, I, I would say, you know, for your your audience, it, it's it's important to kind of talk about. I, I guess I keep coming back to culture, right? Like these these things are are pretty pervasive in um, the the circles that I run in. I, I would call myself like very much kind of entrenched in. Uh, Silicon Valley tech, like culture. That's what I. That's what I. That's where I've been for the last ten years. And so, you know, when you talk about coming from like Big Four Consulting, and I'm, I'm sure that there's a culture there, and you can speak to it, right? Yes, yes. And on the on the venture capital side, I think there's a culture as well. So first of all, like when you talk to people about you know your your business, your your venture, whatever, what have you. When they say, "Oh, why don't you? Why don't you kind of go over here and raise money?" That's also the way they tell you no, right? That's mm. also the way that they tell you it's not right for me. I don't see anything here, but you know, I'll I'll point you in a direction, right? That that's part mm. of the culture. It's like, well, you know, I'll point you in a direction, and maybe that'll help. And if you're if you're really on your hustle, you'll go after it. Like it's all you know. There's a lot of that, like you know, you know, the 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 founder grind. Uh, mythos 
uh, about that, right? Like, you know, I know a lot of folks probably heard like, oh, they just like started it in their garage and they didn't have any money. Like, it's, it's not true, but they love to tell that story, right? Um, but that's also just the way that they tell you no. That's also just the way that they say no without saying no. It's like, oh, well, you know, here, here's some sources of funding that might be, might be, you know, better for you. And so the friends and family round is a very real kind of, uh, it, it's a very real kind of, uh, trope. And it's, it's basically like, you know, you, you essentially have to have shown that you have something off the ground before you talk to VCs, right? It's the, the, the days where they would talk to you about just an idea are mostly gone, right? You have to have something already. And the friends and family round is also just the way that they tell you, well, you need to, you need to make something happen on your own. And I need to see a little bit of it before, you know, before I'm really ready for a bigger conversation, you know? So those are the kind of things that I think happen in the culture. And there's a whole set of people, you know, coming back to just talking about privilege, there's a whole set of people for whom like, that's just that that's normal. And that's very accessible. Right. They can go and ask for fifty thousand dollars from, you know, a uncle, you know what I mean, or or whoever in their family. They get it from one person, not even a lot, but like one person can give them that. Um, there's a there's a actually a really popular podcast called uh How I Built This. Yes. You, yeah. Yes. And uh I, I'll tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna be real with you, right? I listen Please. to that podcast all the time, but not because I think that the, it, like it's awesome for what it is. I listen to it because I always I'm amazed by like hearing the the people's background, like the founders' backgrounds, and and picking out the points of privilege. Right? Mm. That's what I that's what I do, and I know call not, it out what you mean. G- give me an example. I, I, well, I, I know that that's not what they intend, but um, you know they want to tell this this you know scrappy founder story, and instead what you hear is like. Well, I was actually living with my girlfriend's parents and like rent free. I was living with my girlfriend's parents rent free and all, you know, I was, you know, backpacking through the hills or something because that's just, I didn't have anything else to do. (laughs) Right. And then, uh, and then, you know, when I got this idea, I went to my, you know, my my girlfriend's father and and told him about it and he was like oh yeah that that seems like a great idea and just, and he loaned me fifty thousand dollars loan loaned quote unquote right? yeah <laughs> quote unquote and that's the actual story that's the real story and so I'm and I'm listening and like you know there's a, I think there's a certain type of person where they're like oh well you know that's that's really fortunate that he was able to get that loan. Right. But I know, first of all, it's not a loan. It's not a loan. Right. Because <laughs> he's not paying it back. And, and instead, like his you know, father-in-law, whoever is investing in his business. Right. It's much more business than than that. And uh, not only that, but it comes with all these other connections, you know, and that's all while he's living rent free. Right. Right. And so I just pick out the points of privilege. Like the things that 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 person had that they take for granted that a bunch of other people trying to do it don't have won't won't have right and so telling the story is it seems fine until you look at other people like why why aren't you able to do it in the way that I'm doing it and I gotta pick it out I can you can see it you can make a list right like my father in law doesn't have fifty thousand dollars 
I'm not living rent free. My rent, my rent is actually quite real and quite expensive, <laughs> you know, Straight and all on, of those man. things keep you from reaching your destination. I think, and I think my, ch- my challenge sometimes with, um, so Marco, you know, LLC Twitter, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay, man. So like LLC Twitter, man, it's like, it's this idea of like, you know, you can just, you just got to hustle. You just got to be smart. You just got to, and it's like, dog, the best way to raise capital is with capital. Like people out here, you know, I, I don't know, man. I know that the stories exist, but like people aren't over here. Just, it takes a lot. Like the stories that I hear from like the folks that have come on living corporate again, I'll talk about Shelly, but like, like the work that she had to do, even if she talked about black girl ventures, the work that she had to do to stand that up and the work that she still has to do to stand that up, to get the capital she gets, the hustle, like the, the, the intuitiveness, the, the grit, like the, just all of it, just to get a portion of what some, somebody probably got back when they were just getting started. So like, let's talk about, let's talk about the future. I'm going to ask you one more time. And I, you know, I'll ask you this way. What is it that folks should be, if we should have hope, what should we have hope in when it comes to venture capital and traditionally marginalized people in this space? Hmm. I mean, I, I hear you, right? And I'm, I'm trying to find kind of a real answer for you. I, for what it's worth, I always have hope. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm searching myself to kind of try to figure out where that comes from. Um, I can tell you why I still work in this industry and why I have been working hard to get more, um, you know, black folks and, and other people of color into this industry, because, um, as much as we like to talk about the problems, then there are quite a lot of problems. It is still an industry where, you know, you can come in and if you if you get the right opportunity and you choose the right company, right, as an employee, that you can receive you can receive like a, a significant windfall, right? As I have, and you know, I, I I don't know if you've heard a little bit about my story, but I think it matters. Okay, let's talk about it. So I got my, the first half of my career, I got started. I was in the, I was in the DC area. I, I grew up in, um, I grew up outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I graduated from, um, Georgia Tech. So I had a, had a good kind of foundation, um, with my degree, which is also a point of privilege, but I got my first job. I moved to DC. That's where I got my career started. And it was, it was fine. It was, um, you know, doing mostly consulting work and that kind of thing. And then I got recruited. I moved out here to San Francisco in 2011 and I started working at a startup. Now I didn't know anything about startups and venture capital at that time. It was just a, it was a, an objectively better job that, and that was it. And that, you know, where we come from, that's, that's it. That's all. It's like, Oh, a better job than the one I got now. They're paying significantly more. All right, bet. And also I get the move to California. All right, let's, let's, you know, let's do that. <laughs> right. And so. You know, I moved out here not knowing anything and then started my education in startups and equity and whatnot. Right. And I I got extremely fortunate in that that first startup, the one that I got recruited to ended up being really successful. Right. So it was a good job. 
And then I worked there for a couple of years and then that, that company got acquired by Microsoft. Wow. Um, and it was, it was pretty big. That company was called Yammer. It was a social what? networking platform. And Dog, what? Wait, yeah, Marco, huh? wait, wait. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sound man, put the, put the cha-ching sign in the, and the Mario coins right here. <laughs> oh my gosh. So when the Yammer bag came, so they're like, what did you, cause I've, I come from humble beginnings, right? Yeah, we can, you know, we can get real. Like, what's did you open up? So did you open? Did you did you open up the? So like, how did the money hit you? Did you open up the account and you just saw like the bag like staring in the checking account? Was it like a check? It was a it was a check. They 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 handed me a a paper check with more digits on it than I would make in like a, a couple years salary. A couple years salary? Yeah. So okay. Oh my god. Okay. That it was real. It was real. And it was like, so it's a very kind of surreal process too. I I have never been through kind of a, you know, like an IPO or company goes public. I think that's a different thing, but this was, this was very kind of weird because they start talking to you about it. They give you a bunch of information. It's all legal information. And I'm just like, okay, is there a decision for me to make? Nah, not really. Right. (laughs) Like something's about to happen to you. There's no decision to make really, (laughs) you know? You, 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 they gave you this, this equity in the company. They gave you these shares. You, they weren't worth anything. And now they are. It's like, well, you're waiting to find out how much they're worth. And then, and then they tell you, and you're like, you're, you're doing the math. They tell you how much per share, right? Right. right and then you're right. doing the math and you're like, wait, that's a lot of money, right? So how's that going to go? Are they going to give me some, like, you know, I was thinking, at first I was thinking, like, you know, there's going to be some, like, you know, pay out over time you know maybe i'll get some money like every month or something like that right but then like once the once the ink is is dry on the on the deal right the acquisition deal yeah. they just start dispersing funds like I, a whole check showed up they were like hey here's your check <laughs> and across town and deposit it in your checking account that's how it works. Oh my. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. All right. Last okay, last ignorant question and you get back to it. So then like what's the what's the one thing you like what's the one thing you spent? Like what's the one thing you got in the name of like, no, I got this bag. I'm gonna get something nice for me. Uh I mean, I I really wanna feel like I did something ignorant with it, but I, I mean I don't really think I did because I, I feel like I have simple uh taste, but I mean we we bought a house. Like I you know, like I Flex. own my house, right? Flex. Like yes. In in well, I mean, like in one of the most expensive cities on earth, you know what I mean? Like it's not a that's small a thing. My house yeah, that's that's in cool. that's San Francisco, right? And oh, yeah, a lot crazy. of people are are priced out because you know they can't even afford the the down payment. You no, know, to be to be clear, I have a mortgage, but they most people can't even afford the down payment, right? Because right. they talking right. about twenty percent on a million dollars. I'm about right? to say yeah, nah. Mm-mm. You got Mm-mm. you got two hundred k like laying around like. You know, yeah, bro. No, Sheesh. you don't, right? And so, um, what what I was getting at, what I was really getting at with you is that it it is kind of a it is a leveling up, right? So all of a sudden, I have enough capital, I have enough actually liquid capital to start thinking about my moves differently. You know, that's really what it is, and that it, yeah. it really does yeah. change everything about how you make moves to have liquidity like that. Man, I was excited to have you on because I wanted to talk about this space, right? So, like, 
and I'm thankful for you being here. I think like, let me ask one last thing before I let you, if I, I'm going I'm to ask a couple more questions. We about to wrap up. All right. So what needs to happen for the VC space to radically shift and change and favor marginalized people? What needs to like, ta- like tactically, tangibly, what needs to happen? Realistically, like, so we need to like, there, there's a, there's a set of people who are pushing past a lot of these barriers and yes, they're high barriers. It's difficult to push past them, but it's possible. And I think there are always those people who are not going to take no for an answer and are really going to stay pushing at these barriers until they knock them down. And in this, in this business, in this, in the venture capital space, what it means to knock them down is, you know, you have people who are black and, you know, and people of color and, and black women who are going to make a billion dollars doing this. That That is the space, right? Is that they're going to win. Their company is going to win. They're going to, you know, try to get the right funding and, and they're going to get the right opportunities. They're going to hit the right growth trajectory and there's gonna, they're going to be worth a billion dollars. And then they're going to become those, they're going to become venture capitalists. That That's the arc, by the way, which I don't, I don't know if everybody kind of understands that, but where venture capitalists come from. They they had their own business. They won. And now they got more money they know what to do with. Right. And so then they kind of just move into a different business, which is, oh, let me try to find other other opportunities and help other businesses grow. But I'm not doing it with my money. I'm gonna raise the funds. Right. That's what they do. That's what they do. They raise they raise a fund. And so the the you know, um you probably have you're probably familiar with Arlen Hamilton, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the name that I bring up when people ask me a question like yours. It's like, what's going to happen? I'm like, we're going to do it. We're just going to do what they're doing. They're making it harder for us, but we're going to do it. And, and, and Arlen, you know, is very serious about doing exactly what other venture capital, venture capitalists do, but with people who don't get the money, people who don't normally get the money. You know, black people, you know, Latinx people, women, I'm going to give it to them and they're going to show you that they can also do it. And then we're going to make billions of dollars. That's what's going to happen. Right. And she's so for real about it. She is. She's super for real about it. And shout out to Arlen, uh, guest of the show. Um, It's an honor. And you're absolutely right. And so so essentially you see. okay, so talk to dang man. So you said that. So now I got this. So what's stopping? Here's my thing. And I, and I know that it's happening in pockets, but what's stopping more black billionaires? And, and I know they're not many, but black, let's just say wealthy black folks. This is, there's, there's like seven or eight of us out there. What's stopping, what's stopping more wealthy black folks from doing what Arlen's doing? Yeah. I think this is where we kind of have to get really deep, right? Let's go for um, it. I, I think it's a real, I think it's a real question. And I think, there's a lot there and it's, it could be very fraught for our community, right? Like we could start some shit, you know what I mean? But like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two things, right? One is that one thing we need to, we like, we're going to, we're going to struggle with in our community. And I, I'm, I'm sure that this is part of what you see uh, in living corporate, but like um, one thing we're going to struggle with in our community is when, some of us really start to um, 
you know, kind of accelerate our, our careers and we move into that space of having more money, it, it's extremely like isolating. Like it pulls you away from your community in a bunch of different ways. Right. Like I, I, I grew up, I'm very much rooted in blackness. I grew up in Atlanta, you know, and, um, very connected to my blackness, but moving towards like having more financial success often takes you away from blackness. And we, you know, we know that that makes sense because the, it's, it's the flip side of what we talk about with all of these barriers. They, they push to keep blackness out and like, you know, it's not perfect. And so some of us are able to, uh, to excel and, but it's, it's isolating because we find ourselves being the only ones, you know, we're like dispersed, right. And, and kind of disconnected from, um, our, our usual communities. And it's hard to bring everybody we know with us, you know, when a, you know, when a, when a white person, uh, makes a lot of money and they start going to places that people with money go, what they're going to find there is more white people, right? When we start going to places where people with money go, it's just, just a lot fewer of us. And I, if you take that to, to, to its logical conclusion, I'm just saying that like there are black billionaires, but they're talking to white people. Cause that's, those are the only other billionaires they got to talk to. Billionaires only talk to other billionaires. That's, that's one thing, right? They're not talking to us anymore. Right. <laughs> Once you get to a certain amount of money, it's very hard for you to talk to normal people. Right. And so it's very difficult for them to be connected to what's actually happening in the community in the way where they get real information about how to help. People always come into them about how they can spend some money, mm. but I don't know if they get real information about how to help. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And I think, you know, I think some people will take issue with that framing I, and I understand it, but that's where I'm at. And I, I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I think there's a, I think there's another part to it though, which is that I do think that it doesn't have to be billionaires. It's the same thing I said to you before. Like it doesn't have to look a certain way. There's actually a ton of money in our community. That's why there's an opportunity, right? Like we actually, you know, as a, as a community, as a collective have really tremendous, you know, capital, but we haven't really figured out how to move it. Right. We haven't really figured out how to bring that together and invest it. And I think that there's there are a lot of opportunities to do that um, and people who are working on it, including, you know, folks like Arlen. But I I think so. Let, let's let's go back to venture capital. Right. Because this is what we started talking about. And I, I guess you and I talked about how we wanted to kind of maybe, you know, give people some some more kind of real concrete information about how it works and why it works that way. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So when we talk about venture capital. It's a circle, right? It's a it's a cycle. The they they invest in they found they find businesses to invest in. They really invest in those founders, right? So founders come up and they start their businesses. They get a lot of resources and capital from from venture. Then that that works, and they you know they are hugely successful. They make a bunch of money, and then those people become venture capitalists. They're already hooked into this community. They know other founders. They know other people doing whatever. It's people that used to work for them. People that used to work at Google go to start their own company, right? That's why there's a whole, um, that's why there's a whole kind of ecosystem of like, oh, this person is, is former, formerly from Google. It's a credential. It becomes a credential. It's formerly from Google. They've seen it happen. They're going to do it 
themselves and their own business, right? Mm. And that can work. I think that that model can work even for uh, like any other community. So when when black people start winning, we have to invest back into helping more black people win by creating that same ecosystem. You see what I'm saying? I do. I do. And so I think I think you could bootstrap it with getting some some black billionaires to put some money in it. I would love to see that. Right. But even on a smaller scale, I think we can start really reinvesting in our community. I just really would like to see people organize around that. And and to be clear, like I said, black billionaires, I don't even believe billionaires should exist. So what I really meant yeah, was like, conversation. <laughs> that's a whole different conversation. But, but, but I think what I'm really thinking about is even like the hundred thousand, like the people who have, you know, a, f- a few K to throw at stuff or, or even like the millionaires, which there are a few more of us, they're free millionaires. So like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that it has to be like this astronomical amount of money if we practice you know, some group economics, but it just seems like, you know, it seems like every other week. Right. And cause I'm, I'm plugged, I'm somewhat plugged in. I'm, I, I check out the headlines, you know, every, every month, every few weeks, somebody's hitting crazy, a uh, crazy lick. And so, and I'm just, and I'm just like, dog, like what, what is going on? But um, anyway, look, Marco, we've had a great time. We could talk forever. Um, Before I let you go, if you had to give um these white VCs, three things and they, they need to stop doing right now, what would they be? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think one is that, well, I, you know, I, I'll say one, one thing is very practical. I'll just, I'll just say that they need to start giving money to the, the people who are hungry. Cause I think that when I, when I look at venture capital today, I think that they've, well, you know that, um, you know, Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago. Yes. Right. That's a very, that's a very big kind of cultural moment where like tech and and VC is not the underdog anymore. They're like on top. They're like the, you know, tech is like the biggest companies that ever existed. And so they're not, it's not a scrappy like niche anymore. And so I think a lot of the people who are moving and a lot of the patterns that they're matching and the people that they're giving their money to are not hungry, right? We know where the the hunger is, right? We know where the hustle is. It's right here. Like, you know, nobody does hustle better than us. And so if they really are right. trying to, you know, find that model of, you know, this hungry founder and entrepreneur who's really going to do anything to make it happen, they know where that is. And I just don't know what is keeping them from from really recognizing that. And so they need to put the money where like the hunger is, you know. Um, and so that's just that's really practical. And that that just as at a baseline of like why we come back to the diversity problem, like why they're not doing that. But that's that's number one. Um, I think you know number two. I don't know what number three is yet, but no, number two is where I just get real. You know, I just got to get real with it. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just like, look, at, at the end of the day, I think that we like we need to figure out where our power is and stop giving it to them. Right. Mm-hmm. We have leverage. We have we have a, lot, a tremendous amount of leverage. Like we haven't even talked about kind of the ways that the black community helps move these platforms. Right. And we just need to stop yes. giving it to them. Like, yeah, they got they got a lot of money, 
right? But if they stop, if they stop winning, like it's over for them. You know what I mean? And I think we mm-hmm. we we decide what wins. We 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 almost always do, right? In right. entertainment and film and social, everything, right? The 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 early trends are always with black and brown communities, and we decide what wins. We're just not doing so intentionally, and we're not doing so in a way where we reap those benefits, right? So instead of kind of talking to like directly to VCs, like what should they stop doing? I, I I'm just cynical about it. I just don't. I think that they're going to do what they're going to do, like white people mm. do. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I just don't think they have to listen. They just they really don't, right? And I think we can, you know, they're all there. There's going to be people who keep talking to them, and that's fine. But I'm just I'm tired. I'm done talking to them. I'm tired, right? Like it's not that they don't understand. They understand perfectly, and they're still doing exactly what they plan on doing, right? Yeah. And so that's where, and again, for good or bad, I just I'm still very ignorant to like the VC space. Like I very much so want to have you back. I want to talk more about this about this arena because at a certain point, and I think like this is just like now this is like just the meta. This is just where I'm at across the board for Black people. In general, not just VC, which is the last part you just said, which is, I think I'm just tired of trying to convince us, convince folks of our value and our humanity. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of trying to like, you know, like, look, we have been making the world move for the past X centuries, millennia. I, we also now have so much data information, you know, like you just said, theater, I mean, from like media to sports, to entertainment, to tech tech, social media platforms, the chat, that chatty house, everything. We literally make everything move. So like, I, I think I'm with you, which is, we just gotta, we just gotta coordinate and organize, man. Like, yeah. Cause we have it, we have it. We just need to organize and shout out to Arlen Hamilton. Shout out to you, man. And like, and to the people who are out there, like making those things happen. Cause I, I don't think even still, like, I don't think that Arlen Hamilton can get enough credit for the work that she's doing and that it is revolutionary. It's happening in a space that a lot of people don't understand, but you know, give it another three years. <laughs> it, it's happening. Right. And, it's I, and happening. I think, you know, our community has, has always known how to uh, communicate these ideas. I, I just, I, I see the momentum building, right. Where we're going to get more and more people to understand like, how this money moves and how this power moves and how to find our version of this power. Right. Cause we have right. like, we have more like our, our power is actually being kind of, you know, this is a longer conversations. I know, I know you're trying to wind down. Right. But we are <laughs> being kind of unconstrained. The, the money doesn't move in the same way that it used to where, you know, the people, the powers that be could keep it really locked up. Right. It moves a lot more freely now. And if we organize ourselves in the way that our culture moves and, and, and the way that, you know, our lines of communication move, like we can do a lot and we're, they can't stop us. And I think that's what we're trying to figure out. Like, what's the channels where they can't really stop us? You know what I mean? Right. If we go through the traditional channels. They, they know they know they know a lot about how to stop us, but there's more channels than they can really like, you know, police today. And so we have a lot of opportunity and it's really just about um, trying to organize, like you said, like it organizes exactly the right word. Yeah, man. Marco, um, we got to have you back. Okay. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I enjoyed it. I appreciate you. Um, Let's talk soon. By the way, uh, what do you want to plug? What you got going on? 
Oh, I, you know, I plug the same thing all the time. You heard me talk about my wife. Uh, she is so much more impressive than I am. Um, and I think that, you know, you and other people should really get into what she is doing. My wife, um, has several businesses that she runs and, and organizations that she started. But the one that I kind of really like to put on people's radars is her nonprofit organization. Okay. So I told you a little bit about my wife. Uh, her, her nonprofit is called Black and Brown Founders. That's the name of it. Okay. Yep. Blackandbrownfounders.com. And like you can, the, so the thing is like what she did was take all of her lessons from starting her business, from, you know, trying to raise venture capital, what worked and what didn't, you know, everything from the idea concept to the marketing. She has tried to package that and she is giving it to people, right? And she brings in people from our community and tries to help them get started without trying to go and, and get these big checks, right? Because you have to make moves yourself. Yes. And so I tell people to check it out if it's something that you want, but also I would encourage people to donate, right? Like they need this capital in order to bring resources to our community. That's what, that's what they do. That's what she does. And so if you're looking for, you know, a place to, to give that's going to have real impact, that's what I would recommend. All right. So check it out. Black and Brown founders.co. Um, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. There's a link tree right there. Y'all, y'all, you know what I'm saying? Everybody ain't, you ain't traveling and stuff yet. You know what I'm saying? Put the, put the chips down for a second, open up the app, scroll on the link. And then, you know, if you are pulling over to the side of the road, I'm not trying to have you hurt, hurt yourself, but check out the black and brown founders. Check out the link in the show notes. I want y'all to really check that out. Beautiful website, beautiful logo and branding too. Like great. This is, this is really nice. Um, oh yeah, they're, they're legit. My mind doesn't play around. It's gorgeous. Uh, okay. Well, yo, Marco, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much. Living Corporate is brought to you by the Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network, hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards. The Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out the Leadership Range everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Uh, yo, shout out to Marco Rogers. Shout out to all of the work that he's doing. Shout out to VCs and black VCs in general, man. Like make sure y'all click the link in the show note. Y'all learn more about uh, Marco Rogers and also shout out to Arlen Hamilton. Yo, like it's so dope. I think it's easy in this season um, to forget, man. There's a lot of movers and shakers out there, like really creating serious, serious waves. Um, and Arlen Hamilton is the person, she's the vanguard. She's the leader of this, this movement of this transformation, um, that we're seeing and that you may not see yet, but that you will see and will continue to feel, um, in the next decade. Like I'm confident in that. Um, and so shout out to her and the work that she's doing. Shout out for her being a guest on living corporate. Ow. Uh, but yeah, look, we'll catch y'all next time. Make sure y'all, uh, give us five stars on Apple podcasts. Tell a friend about us. Check out the merch, livingcorporate.shop. Talk to y'all soon. Peace.
Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.